Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going it is going well yeah it's uh we're rolling along i don't know if i have major uh updates or or anything like that but we're i think i'm on week week three of return to training here and week three was tough it was tough weather got a little tougher fatigues building yeah, of course, because last week on the intro to the podcast, we talked about how Peter's uh, goal is to not get on the trainer until December 1st. Naturally, that meant that it was going to snow during the week. So, and, I, and I will admit, I, I like got halfway setting up the trainer because I was so like, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to go for a run and we'll see how it goes. And, and that's fine. So I, you know, did what I could that day and we're still in the in the challenge. We're still doing OK. You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. So the snow was yeah a bit of a challenge and now it's warmed back up. So we're in that kind of time of year where it's just going to be up, down, up, down. I think today's a, a running in shorts day. Uh, where he's like earlier this week was the full winter kit kind of situation. Yeah. And it's sort of this, you know, it's the snow tire season if you're in an area with snow tires. But I think, you know, related to that, it's this big gear switch over. So it's definitely... You know, with clients I'm seeing, you know, some are pretty good at, you know, they, they have this routine, you know, they always do their snow tires and they, you know, pull out the appropriate bike stuff, right? So this is the, the fenders, the trainer gets set up if they're doing that. They're, you know, the booties, we couldn't find our booties, you know, so my feet froze for the first two days of November. Um, you know, all these things, it could, whatever it is for you, right? It might be rain jackets if you're in a rainy area. You know, just these things that you need to have handy, right? And this is a big part of our, our consummate athlete idea is this idea of gear organization and, and there's sort of a seasonality to that. I was going to say, you know, I love a good gear organizing chat. Uh, and I mean, if you head over to consummateathlete.com and just search organizing, you will find so many tips and tricks for getting your stuff all sorted out and neatly in place to actually make your riding and running smoother and faster and give you more time to actually spend on that, you know, warm up, cool down, whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. highly recommend getting your stuff in order, even if it's at the cost of one of your easy runs or rides this week, uh, just take the time. Well, and that's exactly this, this time of the year for most, you know, in a standard, you know, cycling schedule, if you're not doing track or maybe cyclocross or something, you know, if you're doing summer you know, only and you're sort of in like an off period right now, that's always the, I think we mentioned that last episode as well. You know, what do I do with all this free time, right? Well, the time f- fills itself pretty quickly is what I found, but uh, you know, this is the stuff we talked about checkups. That's what we were talking about last, last week, right? Is the doctor's checkups, bike checkups, you know, getting the bikes in and getting them repaired, you know, where are the skis, where are the snowshoes? If, if you're into that, you know, the trainer doesn't work. I have, I think three clients right now that realize their trainers don't work anymore for whatever reason. Uh, you know, now you have to order a trainer, so that's not going to come for, you know, a year probably that's getting better. So yeah, it's, it's all this stuff right now, right? Troubleshooting data or not data, but technology, troubleshooting bike stuff and then setting up the clothing. There's a lot to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, on the note of articles that are up on the site, we've also been putting out the gift guides slowly but surely. I know it's still early November, but especially if you're getting something 
from uh, Etsy or cust- anything custom made. I know for our t-shirts and ev- everything like that, if you if you wait till December 15th, it's probably not going to get here in time for Christmas, unfortunately. Uh, so early ordering earlier is definitely the ideal. Uh, so we have been putting up the gift guides. I've been putting a bunch of stuff that I think is really fun as far as custom things go. Uh, so we just did the, uh, the gift guide for runners last week. And we got a lot of comments because we've actually, we put a picture up of one of the gifts we had gotten made for someone and then we put it in our gift guide and it was a custom doormat like welcome mat type thing yeah, yeah. and so I for guess our... it's not a welcome mat as much as a like leaving mat yeah the one you made but i guess it could say whatever you wanted yeah it's, you can put custom words on a mat yeah so for for our friend who had just run the bruce trail at fkt and we'll actually have her on the podcast to talk about it soon uh, i made her one that said tracker water snacks as just the the three reminders that we kept going through in the week. Did she have her Garmin inReach tracker turned on? Uh, did she have water? Did she have snacks every time she stopped at the van? So I thought that was a fun little gift for her, a good reminder. But I mean, honestly, it's a great present for the runner in your life. And you don't have to make it say tracker water snacks. You can say, even just, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I would love it if I had a mat that just said, have a great run or like, just something like something really positive to leave, uh, you right. know, just a little message. So I thought that was a really fun idea. A lot of people seemed to like it. A lot of people liked it for themselves as far as the reminders went. Uh, I saw a couple of cyclists who were like, oh, that would be actually be like a great reminder for, you know, do you have your, your yeah. Garmin, your spare tube, et cetera. It's tubes. Yeah. That's another thing that's with this like gear season is uh, a couple clients this week walked home. So it's, I mean, I always say that, you know, I have enough, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with enough people that there's always something, you know, I can always sort of be like, yeah, someone did that this week. Um, but collective learning here, you know, make sure your tubes are, are filled up. You have the appropriate tube for the tires you're using right now. People That's are what switching say, yeah. cyclocross, you know, from gravel or whatever it might be. Uh, You've gotten burned on that a couple of times because we had a, a phase where, I mean, a few years ago now we had ordered dozens of road tubes for a, a camp so we'd have enough but then everyone has gone to wider tires so all of these yeah, all, we have all these like tubes for like 25 23s we're trying to fit into you know 32s or whatever it is and it works okay but it's a little dicey um where were we going with that so oh what i was gonna say is and the other thing is you know in disclosure the these gift guides obviously have amazon links on them so the nice thing is if you are going to do shopping and if you don't like the gift guides you know if you can click through that does help out the show you know sort of we get a, a little amazon kickback if you don't like amazon kudos to you um and that's fine too we respect that but uh, maybe just get ideas and, and can find them as well but there yeah. is that so if you want to give us a little little uh a little know. love this holiday yeah, a little season. love there you go cool Cool. And then actually other other articles we've had up that people have really responded to. I did one talking about the 100 miler I'm signed up for. Uh, but rather than just say, yes, I'm signed up for a 100 miler, because frankly, none of you should really care about that. That's pretty boring. <laughs> right. uh, it's just going to be a long, long day. Um, I wanted to talk about why I decided I was ready for that. Well, and it is its goal setting season, right? And, and I mean, we're all getting excited here. There's races on the calendar, which is exciting. You know, fingers are crossed. So, you know, this is the time, right? Do we sign up for that big bucket list race or, or you know, go forward with our deferred entry to that bucket list race or, or do we pivot, right? Because we do, there is a fork in the road here that we might choose. You know, there's, there's lots of paths you may take. 
Yeah, and I love the idea of a big scary goal. We've talked about the big scary goal for years. Um, yeah, one of our big posts is the like uh, is there is one that's called big scary yeah. goals, right? Like setting big scary goals. Why you should it was around our uh, yeah, doing Iron Man, I think, right? It's very exciting to set big scary goals. Um, but I wrote a post a couple months ago that I think resonated with a lot of people too. The idea of the big scary goal creep, where you do a big scary, you do one big scary goal, and then what's next? What's next? What's next? And Emily Chappelle and I talked about that on last week's podcast. But I think it is. It's a huge issue of just... Which I thought her hers was great. And I liked... There was one quote I really liked from hers uh, that episode last week was something to the effect that like she's done the biggest things she's going to do. And I just yeah. thought that that's like an interesting thing to be at peace with. Uh, and I think big for her is maybe relative to it. I'm sure she'll do big things, but maybe she won't ride a bicycle on the road that far again. Yeah, exactly. So this post is talking about is the big scary goal actually a reasonable goal for your life and not just is it reasonable in that like can you do it although that's certainly a factor is you know what makes you think that you are going to be capable of doing this thing but it's also does this really fit in with with your life with what you want out of life because a lot of the time i think we get excited in the moment and you hit that registration button and you get that that kind of high from hitting the registration button, that like euphoria of like, oh my gosh, there's this big scary thing that's happening. This is amazing. Uh, then you realize that the day to day for it kind of blows. <laughs> can we say that? I guess we can say that. Um, the, and it's it's akin to almost like shopping, right? Where we go in and you're in the store, and I think especially in the store versus online shopping, right? But there's that thrill of getting it. You know, I don't feel this way, but I, that's what I understand the shopping. Oh, you know, I even get that with online People get shopping. Addicted to shopping, right? And so I think sometimes that's the case with the races. It's like, oh, good, good, I signed up for this bucket list race, whatever it is. Insert yours, and but then the reality sets in pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So what does the day-to-day training look like? So over on the website, we had gone through sort of the questions we ask before setting these big, scary goals. Uh, And I had written mine out, and then Peter actually went back in and added some, uh, sort of thinking through how he talks to clients about it. And I really liked the first question he put as, uh, because I just kind of wrote off the why as sort of this obvious of assuming you already want to do the event, like good, done, whatever. And Peter actually reframed it to, why do you want to do this event? at this time which i thought was a fantastic addition to that right and that's sort of stolen from the the not myth of stress we always say myth of stress breaking the stress cycle is the new name of the book uh which i really like and, and that's the idea there right where we're we're, say, we're sort of saying it's not that you can't ever do it you know we do have some time but right why right now like why is this the right time right for you and is it the right time right yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a great question. Uh, I talk about looking at past experiences. So there is something to setting a big, scary goal. That's great. Setting a goal that that intimidates you a little bit, that scares you, that's maybe just pushing beyond the boundaries of maybe this won't actually go. Like there's a chance that I will not complete this goal. I think that's important. I think there's always a bit of unknown for yeah. sure. But this is, you know, in your, your cliche goal setting, right? This is what is the smart uh what's which one of those the letters is the the one for you know it's attainable you can do it right yeah um is so that, for is, is that the a i don't know let's see sorry yeah i think I, i'm so. blanking on there's so many acronyms for that i used to just be smart and now there's all these other ones yeah, there's smarter uh, there's, smartest yeah, there's i don't know anyhow, uh, so like your goal should be uh like challenging but you, you know you should be able to do it right yeah so basically i argued in my defense as like i kind of went into this as a bit of a lawyer mindset like arguing for for myself why I could do it. And 
you know, for me, a hundred miler. Okay. I did a hundred K last year. I've done some 50 milers. I've done a fair number of 50 K races. Uh, I've done an iron, I've done a couple Ironmans. Right. Like I've done training weeks <laughs> that are you know reasonably close to the volume one would do to train for a hundred miles. Well, and there's no, you know, really injury wise, you know, your, your knees always sort of something we are keeping an eye on, but like, otherwise you're pretty good right now. You've had a bunch of good months here, uh, with that. You know, and, um, you know, whereas if you were just getting over, say, stress fracture or something, right? Like, not that you're not running or competing this year. It just this year might not be the year. We might be back to, you know, when we talked to David there three years ago, your coach. And he said, you know, you can do that, but like not at this time is essentially what he said, right? I'm putting my words into his mouth, but this is, you know, it's three years, right? You get a couple years of 50Ks without stress fractures, you know, making sure, you know, this could be nutrition intervention, this could be strength training, this could just be bone healing, like bones take a long time and tendons and ligaments for running take a long time, right? So we want to see evidence that this is a, a good thing to do right now and not, you know, fire hose the situation with like just all of the running, right? Because we know that this overloads the system, right? This is that adaptive capacity. Yeah, exactly. And then that actually leads into the next point I had, which is just where is your lifestyle and fitness at? So for me, this is a, this goal is three and a half months out. Like I signed up for it when it was four months away, which could be a really tight turnaround for a hundred miler if I had been training for say 10 Ks prior to that. But I've been in, in basically like 50 to 150 mile to hundred K training for and, and well think, over a year i think you know new, normally i would be in that scenario where like i get certainly like the week out and the two weeks out clients know that this is you know something i get you know this is not like race if you're going to race because you, you didn't prepare for it like a race right um but i think especially david's philosophy is very like six weeks out eight weeks out and, and sort of like always being fit unless there's like a reason you need to like really back off you know again for life or injury um so i mean four months is lots you know, to do some specific, cause you're again, healthy and you're already have been basically in an eternal base for, you know, like a lot of exactly, us, haven't, yeah. you know, you haven't raced, you haven't over raced. So there's, uh, you know, you're close. Yeah. And as you alluded to, my overall health is decent. My overall lifestyle is conducive to the training at this time. Um, yeah. And that, that leads to the, can I prepare for the goal? And we've said the, can I prepare for the goal I've set probably hundreds of times on this podcast at this point, mm -hmm. but it's worth just very quickly repeating do I actually have the time and energy and willingness to do the training that is required to do a hundred right. mile? And that's the, the comma we always add to that is like, and do you want to, right? Exactly. So like, if you're not drawn to run every day, then, you know, you're, you're not, you know, this isn't going to be an easy thing and, and it's not going to, you know, spiral out into a better life, right? That's, I'm stealing Dan John's idea of spiraling out. And, and, and that's get back to that first question of the why as well, right? The why is sort of like, again, do you want to prepare for this goal? Why? Do you want to prepare for this goal? So there might be, you know, usually there's some sort of narrative around, oh, we get to travel or I, I get to ride my mountain bike long with my friends on the weekend or like every day, I, you know, I like a, to go and ride my my gravel bike up some rolling hills, right? So I'm going to get ready for Unbound is the big bucket race, right? This 200 mile thing. But, you know, that's my jam. I really like it. And I want a reason to go do that for the next year uh, and get ready, right? And so for you, you know, you're, you have a good community of running. You like to run for an extended period of time. Right. It all sort of like spirals out. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but then the flip side of that is 
you know, we always talk about not wanting to go negative, but I do think it's important to, in the case of big, scary goals, ask yourself, what are you giving up? Because I think right. that's a really important question. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, doesn't, you know, again, when we it sort of, again, gets that, that first question seems, you know, just, oh, the first question is the why, but the why is always nebulous and very hard. I hate the, the question to be honest, but I think it's an important one. And, and I think part of that why is the, like, you have to be, you have to look at, like you say, at the, the I like that, the negation of that you know, what are we not doing, right? So, you know, it means that we're going to have to, for you to do that, we have to go away from home for, you know, a little longer than we would have otherwise been this winter. Um, you know, we have to travel there, right? So we're not going to be here for a big chunk of the winter, right? Which may, or, you know, maybe that's okay. I don't know. But, you know, we're not going to be able to fat bike. You know, there's going to be some stuff we give up for that. You know, also- I feel like Peter uh, is giving up a lot of things for this goal. Uh, also for you, we had a big talk about, you know, you all, oh, we are going, you know, we're going to go to New Jersey for a bit, hopefully. Uh, you know, so the, the weather is a bit better, but you're also going to have to do a bit of volume here with snow and rain and crummy weather. Like it's not, you know, this is sometimes the tough part with these early races, these spring races is, you know, are you ready for that, right? Yeah, well, and for me, actually, the biggest thing I'm gonna have to give up is a really relaxed holiday week at home. Right. Uh, that sounds really silly, but you can't every... take you can't take Christmas off. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm very big on that holiday week. That's always a very kind of important part of like family time for me and everything. And it's not to say that I can't do family time because my dad loves riding his bike next to me while I do big miles. Right. Fine, but it's not as relaxing as it might have. No, been there's otherwise. a good chance you're going. Like, I mean, Christmas and New Year's are on weekends. Like, I mean, you can jumble your schedule around a bit uh, you have that flexibility right but the it's hard to avoid when you know you're doing big weeks that there's going to be a run on you know christmas eve or or you know christmas day yeah whatever. exactly uh there's another piece i had with that uh oh and the other piece is like you know we often go and do like some cycling in the the off season the winter a base thing you do enjoy cycling as well and, and you know this is something that probably is not going to happen due to the the peak because it's usually sort of february march is when you've done that and you're going to have both a a peak you know specific period but then you're also going to have a pretty big recovery period where it's like you know you could try and you know 100 miler right into a cycling thing that you haven't been preparing for but again this is you know probably not the smartest thing to do right we'll see we'll see uh, and so yeah i'm just trying to think of another client just recently you know they they had a, the, the classic example we always say is like you know you sign up for the bucket list race and then there's a family vacation that happens usually two to three weeks two to four weeks before if not you know the weeks before sometimes in that you know critical period you know we sort of flippantly say you know oh, you're six weeks out as long as you're fit you'll be fine but then they go on family vacation and can't do the sport for you know these a big chunk of time and so when I say a fork, like we're sitting here at this decision of why, and would you take that path knowing that the path, you know, it's not going to be a great preparation before you start. So you're going to have a, it's going to be a curvy path, right? You're going to get injured and sick and stuff will come up at work and, and inevitably it's not going to be perfect. We are adults and humans, but would you take the path knowing that it's not, <laughs> you know what the path looks like, sort of, right? Like you got that intel. You're not going to train for two of the weeks that maybe would be critical. So could we do something? That's, that's that at this time. Would you take that? You know, maybe not. Maybe that's your thing and you're okay. You know, that's the challenge ahead of you. But you want to be sure that that's the challenge you want to take on. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then the last two points in the article, and again, you can go read it and get more tangible examples and more links and everything. Uh, but the other two were just, you know, have I talked to my coach about this or have I talked to anyone about this? Coach who... and your spouse are probably important. So I'll start with the coach though. And if, if you don't have a coach, you could maybe consider booking a consult with sure. a coach. Now, obviously we do that. So you can head to consummateathlete.com to do that or just any, any coach. I think it's just a good idea to talk it over with someone who who has some experience in this and it might not be a perfect situation. You might not find the perfect person to talk to but I think just speaking to someone who can look at it a bit more objectively than uh, a spouse or friends or anything like that. I think just talking to someone who has and no actually, skin in the game. I actually had a great call. Same thing, like no interest in coaching or plans or anything like that, but just objective opinion of this is what I want to do. This is what I've done in the past. This is what my, you know, winter, the next six months, what do you think? What would you do differently? A couple good questions and, Good. Away yeah. they went. I think right? that's super helpful. So yeah. I think doing that and actually, you know, I did talk to my coach about this and my original thought had been that I just wanted to run a hundred miles right. on a trip. You were going to keep on this like, you know, no race, you know, no pandemic ra yeah. schedule. You were sort of stuck in that hibernation mode and he said, uh, absolutely not. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're uh, he, racing. Didn't say, he didn't say absolutely not, but it was, it was very I don't know clearly if David and absolutely that, not. But yeah, I think he said, you know, his experience is that you should race a hundred miler and, and essentially race if you're going to race. Again, my exactly. words, his mouth. But um, yeah, so he, you pivoted. He said, yes, yes, and I think exactly. Yeah, it was a, exactly. a sexy improv dance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the last one is talk to your person. And this might be a spouse. In my case, it's obviously a spouse. But you might have, honestly kids boss family well friends, especially these whatever. big things I, you know some people you know the the, the, the load is going to be they have to stay home and you know take care of the kids and and the house while you're away some people in my case you know i'm taking a tiny dog you know down to where are we going oklahoma oklahoma and you know we're gonna have to be up for a long time crewing um so you know there, there's both that but then there's also you know we we got talking about this and i thought that was really interesting that it's also um there's also the four months between for in your case where it's, you know, again, you're out running more, you know, you're away more. Right. So then again, we have a tiny dog and there's a lot of long trading. He, days, he doesn't yeah. like me very much. So. Oh, he likes you fine. <laughs> as long as I have some treats. So there is that. So that's lots of stuff. Like you say, there's a, a article on the website I think is great. Uh, and then those couple other ones that it's sort of like tangential to that are, are also great on the site. The, can you prepare for the goal that you've set and so forth. Mm -hmm. Cool. cool. We have a couple more listener questions today, if, if you'll stay with us here. <laughs> uh, so the first thing is sort of around testing. And you start getting this question a ton in the off season. I feel like it's almost this weird imperative of like, oh, I don't have any races on the schedule. So boom, testing. Well, and it's like this end of year test or beginning test. And, and it's, I don't want, you know, we have, I, we have mentors and we have, you know, friends who, who do this professionally. So I'm not, you know, you know, saying that it's bad you can do whatever you want um, but I think whenever we're going to think about spending money there's always what they call opportunity cost right okay and so here we're talking very specifically about, about bike testing but you could probably expand anything we're going to say to any test we talked about blood testing last week you don't have to get a blood test but you know it is the general recommendation I believe that people get blood tests about once a year more if you have a condition more if you're charging really hard and pushing your body to its limits you know, the blood does tell us a lot about, you know, things that might be going wrong, right? So the, the question is, you know, does it give us, uh, blood testing is maybe even a good example of how we go into this is, does it potentially give us 
information we wouldn't have maybe had so you know in the case of like iron stores or vitamin d or you know i sometimes get like liver enzyme stuff again when i've been you know maybe overtrained, under recovered in the past you know some of this stuff probably does give you a red flag where you could go look into it a bit deeper right so some and, and, and then we look at the cost right i think that's the other so we have opportunity cost how much does it cost you know in terms of time or money or energy to do it. Blood testing, depending on where you are, it, it's not that expensive or, or included, as we say in Canada, for a lot of the stuff, right? So um, that that's that. So if we think about bike testing, you know, fitness testing, treadmill testing. I was going to say, could we like just back up and quickly define what you mean by bike testing? What does that usually so look like? So typically this is like a VO2 test. You've seen people, you know, in a lab maybe doing studies or you've maybe done this where it's, you know, you're wearing like a mask and you breathe, you know, they slowly increase the effort. Uh, sometimes very quickly they increase it. It's maybe, you know, it's sort of a, a 12 to 20 minute test. Maybe it gets really hard towards the end. You sort of you know, breathe really hard into this, this mask that's really uncomfortable. And then they tell you sort of like your, your oxygen consumption, right? And so we get a, a, sen a sense of, you know, your breathing, we get a sense of, you know, the, again, the oxygen consumption, your VO2 max, right? Which is sort of this like, quote unquote, gold standard of, of fitness. Um, so the question is, you know, do you need that information? And then also, I think importantly, what are you going to do with it afterwards? And then similar to that is like a lactate test, which sometimes are longer, uh, depending on the test. And again, they're taking lactate, so this is a prick of the finger. Uh, you could be running or swimming and do it for any of this, really, too. Uh, and again, this is sort of showing you that lactate threshold where the lactate starts increasing because you're working harder, you know, quote unquote, anaerobically. It gives a sort of idea of that threshold. It's funny you mentioned that. What are you going to do with this information? It's something I've been really turning around in my head a lot lately because you know, we're getting blood testing done. I have a couple other things I'm, I'm trying out. And the other day, it sort of occurred to me that all of these interventions that I'm trying are going to require a change in lifestyle. And it'd be lifestyle tweaks we're talking mm -hmm. about, nothing mm -hmm. major. And it occurred to me, am I willing to change anything in my lifestyle? Like, I have a pretty happy, like, comfortable balance with what I eat and how I sleep and all of these things. Yeah. And I was like changing any of those things yeah so be... i guess that's that's it right is like it almost you start with the why right again not to go back to that nebulous question but you know i think you know in the pro tour they're they're going to do stuff like this right they're also getting paid sure. to do stuff right. like that right you know, and the physiologist <laughs> is getting paid and again they if we had a physiologist on you know they could probably tell us very like quickly why they do it and, and how they're going to use the information um, and, and I think at the elite level, you know, you're on such a razor's edge, right? And you've tapped out everything, right? These people are world-class and you're trying to find another percent. So the, the problem is it gets very specific on like what type of intervals you might do, what intensity they might do. You know, all these things get very, very, uh, it's part of the reason I don't like working with elites very much <laughs> because it's like, I don't, you know, what do you do? And the answer is like, you probably need to test to try and figure out what to do and then retest to see if it worked in the right direction, right? There's a lot of calibration there when you're getting very precise about how, you know, we're at the elite level, right? We're way out in one direction of, you know, Tour de France fitness. It makes, you know, it's very hard to, to stay there without going, you know, too deep, right? They're at the razor's edge of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're at the razor's edge of everything, then all of those pieces of information can be really helpful. Right. right. I would say. And you could say the opportunity cost is not high because these people are just going to ride a lot. You know, they're out there. The physiologists are there. Right. The money, as you say, is, is there in most cases. So you can do it. So now for the rest of us, it's like, well, what is the limiter? Like what in your situation are you trying to get better at? You know, why are you not doing better? Uh, it may be clear or not. Um, 
but a lot of times, you know, if you listed those out, right, there's like skills, you know, there's, okay, there's sleep, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you could spend money and time. Uh, and you just want to be clear that this test is going to give you something actionable. And then I really like your second question of like, when they tell you that you need to eat better and sleep better uh, and ride more is usually probably what it's going to say, you know, can you do any of those things? Probably not. <laughs> so then, you know, the question is, you know, it, what did it give you anything that you changed because of it? Right. And then the other thing I, I have a tough time with recommending some of these other tests, you know, beyond, um, yeah. So these other more, like we call them lab tests, right. Where you're going to see someone and paying them is you don't really have access to that stuff. So we try and, you know, they try and attach like zones with power and heart rate, but that stuff's all pretty changeable over time. You know, if the training's working, you know, the stuff's evolving over time, right? So then it's, you know, are you going to go back at a, a, any sort of interval to get this rechecked and see if it's working? I, I don't know, right? I, I think a lot of people from what I've seen, it's like a yearly thing and they sort of like set their zones for the year. And I, I just don't know that that's what the intended way of using that is it could be it could work fine it could give you something to base off of but i just don't know i don't know now would you say for the average masters recreation or, you know serious but not super serious person super serious but not elite person do you think there are ways to diy those tests that work better or are well, just more so efficient? when i say when i say again i think if you had a good coach or a good person who's doing this you'd probably learn a lot and it'd be a good experience if you have the money you know the opportunity costs i'm because it's time and money to go I, I think it would be a great investment for most people but this is assuming you know do you have a power meter right do you have a, a, the correct equipment the raincoats again all this other stuff like this all costs money and like time really to do and figure out you know how are your skills right i'm biased in this you know but how are your skills, right? Because I see, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time pedaling on a trainer and, you know, they're, they're missing so many critical things, right? So could you spend money on, on skills coaching or time and, you know, going to these things? Maybe you can do both and you might have, you know, all the resources and I think you should do it if that's the way you want to spend your money. Um, but that, that's sort of the other important thing is, you know, is there, what, are, where could these funds and time go otherwise for sure? But I think, you know, now power meters are available and I think you could probably get a good performance and output metric um, for most people and sort of make decisions based off that. Like, is the training helping you improve the, the, the power, the output, the performance that you want, or, you know, do you have to recover more or do it? The problem is that it doesn't really tell you what to do. It just tells you that it's getting better or not, right? I don't know if that makes sense. Whereas with VO2 or lactate or, or any of these tests or maybe all of them combined, you might get a mess of, of metrics that might hold a, a key to what to do next, right? Like, so if you, you said, okay, I did this much power with this lactate, you know, a smart physiologist might be able to direct you in the type of training to do with that information. But it, it's so complicated and such a mess that, you know, I don't know. I don't know that most people doing these tests, these coaches and stuff doing them, you'd have to find the right one to, you know, untangle that mess of data to make a decision that would move, you know, well. And then there's those people are out there for sure. Uh, but that's that's the tricky bit is like this information. It's sort of this like black box, right? So it, right. it's tricky. And, and I'm just, I always wonder if if the power and just checking, you know, the, the, the basic things that we know, you know, not too much intensity, lots of low intensity, uh, you know, eating well, sleeping well, socializing, right? Does this, is this where most of us need to live? Yeah, for sure. Right. So 
definitely starting with the why and the what are you going to do with that information i think are probably just the two big questions to to roll with yeah before. and you know are you following a, a plan right like to like that's the other thing i see sometimes is these people will come with vo2 tests and people will come for coaching or plans and they'll want you know they want to show me the test right so I, you know i'll look at it and okay well this is interesting what you know where are they at um but you know they're not they haven't been following you know any sort of plan right and i think the plan sometimes gives you a sense of like okay i got fitter following this plan or this type of interval worked well for me uh, and sometimes there's you know good learning from just that right that consistent grind right and i think it's, it almost relates back to what we we're saying about you know that shopping or that signing up for the race the test seems like a good way to spend some money and, and feel you know really good and pro and okay i got my numbers i got my zones but then the reality is are you going to okay now you go ride at that zone two, you know put in about 500 hours there this year at that zone two uh and then come back and, and we'll see how you are right and that's that's the tough thing is you know those 500 hours versus the one hour on the the trainer is the tough part i really like the just the idea of you can't really buy your way to being pro or you you really can't buy your way to being better and it, you're right it's very tempting to to do that. I actually so I have an article coming out in Canadian cycling for the my usual new year new you kind of article and I always try to find a different slant on it uh this year one of the fun things I talked with a sports psych about was the idea of it's actually my biggest pet peeve when you talk about goal setting there's inevitably one person who's going to be on the, this podcast or wherever that's going to be like, oh, well, you take the goal and then you break it down into these like tiny pieces. So if you if you want to run a marathon, like what can you do today? Buy the new pair of running shoes. OK, done. Like you're done for the day. Good job. You're on your way to running. No, you're not. Put on whatever shoes you have and go do a mile walk like right. that's putting you closer to running your damn marathon than buying the fancy pair of shoes and spending all day on researching online the pair of shoes. Uh, so I think we we as a society, here's my soapbox moment, have gotten to this idea that we can buy our way to this feeling of being professional or this feeling of being on our way to our goal. But no, you actually have to do the work. Um, so I think whenever you're maybe about you, to... Maybe you walk to the local sports shop and yeah, get the shoes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, whenever yeah. you're about to, to hit buy on whatever it is, uh, I think just asking yourself, am I buying this for the feeling of moving myself forward toward my goal or is this actually going to help me towards my goal? Yeah, and I have seen with some clients, you know, they 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 have the N plus one bikes uh, for sure. And that's, you know, that, that's a big part of it for them. Like, that's not how I'm wired up at all. Um, to a fault probably but they, uh we have a lot of bikes in the house right now dear we we do but you know not not nearly yeah i don't know um in, in any case i, I do I, I think i've come to understand that like for some people that you know now they feel like they need to go out and ride <laughs> all these bikes and so it, it does i think you know there, i think it, it's a it's a slippery slope but there's probably some benefit there and, and again you if you have the resources and the the, the you know you can spend your money however you want. I'm not saying buying stuff is bad. Buying stuff is great, but buying stuff to feel as though you're moving the needle forward on your goal, that's where it becomes a problem. Like unless 
you actually are going to use that and you have a reason for doing it. But just hitting the buy button to feel like, okay, I ticked that off. Like, all right, mission accomplished. That's not super helpful. Well, and to your point, I mean, running's, you know, I think very true with that. We talked about that actually, like the, what would you buy after, you know, assuming you have like your shoes and your helmet, maybe for cycling, you know, what's the next piece, right? Of, of to, that you would get. And I think running's probably even better because it really is, you know, you have the things you need to start because it's not fancy to start, right? It is essentially a walk with maybe a couple of short runs. Um, and I don't think cycling is much different, to be honest, right? Like you see a lot of people, even in the conditions we have right now, like I always feel, oh, I'm, you know, so tough being out there. And then I'll pass someone, you know, in, in jeans and <laughs> no raincoat, you know, and it's, you know, sleeting and stuff. Yeah. And I'm in my Gore-Tex being like, oh, I'm so cold and, you know. Like he went from being like so tough to I'm <laughs> well, so cold. It's a it's a roller coaster this time of year to be honest. It's true. But. It's true. Okay, so that's that. That's testing. You know, again, do it if you want to, but you know, I think having an idea of you know why you're doing it and what you're going to do with that information and just being pretty critical if you do try it. You know, what did this change? You know, otherwise, right? What information did you take away? And I think always making sure that you're, you're asking a lot of questions and trying to take a lot from you know whoever the person is who's, who's doing that testing too, right? Because that's I think a big value of that. Any other the testing I've done and, and we used to do a lot um you know isn't in, in that like if you can be really into it and you know learning about yourself um versus treating it like a race or like something that you have to win right because I think that's the other piece that maybe testing helps with is that performance anxiety right so mm-hmm. there is that too Last question today is around shift work. Again, sort of a bigger topic, but, you know, one that we're going to hopefully explore with a couple, uh, you know, experts and, and people uh, who go a little deeper on sleep and, and sort of shift work and that sort of stuff uh, in the coming year. I think I won't put a urgent time uh, line on that, but uh, we will do that. So again, call out if anyone does, uh, has heard or is an expert on sort of shift work, sleep, that sort of area, and we can go deeper. Or honestly, if you are a shift worker who's had good success with sure. your, your various athletic Yeah, we could do, you know, our real life, real life consummate athlete episodes are always fun. So we could certainly do a little one like that too. Um, but we had some thoughts in that direction. You know, I have probably four or five people I work with who are, you know, in that sort of, you know, medical fields, you know, your nurses, your, um, what are medics called? Medics? <laughs> uh, EMTs? Paramedic. Paramedics. Um, what else do we have? Firefighters are in this boat. Uh, you know, my, my brother is, you know, just sort of like grocery, you know, night shift type thing, you know, factory workers. Uh, what and else? actually my, si- well, Police? my sister is funny because she's worked the night shift. She's a Bakers. baker. Yeah. So she's worked the night shift and now she works the super early super morning early. shift. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, this happens, you know, lots of different, you know, work positions involve different schedules from nine to five. Right. And that was sort of the be in your bonnet was this nine to five. Isn't, you know, a lot of people now are like off of this nine to five. I have a lot of bees in my bonnet, don't I? I guess. Yeah. That one really gets me because every single article and we're guilty of this too, but pretty much every article, every training book, every, every time you talk about training, you're talking about that nine to five Monday to Friday schedule. And the assumption is that your long runs and rides are Saturday, Sunday, yeah. that you work the hours of nine to five, maybe say eight to six if you have a compute. Um, and that's that's just the average person. And I just don't think that that's true. I think that's that's not even 50% of people. And I mean, yeah, I, even I then you that's, factor- That's a stat you made up, but it could be true. It is a stat I made okay. up, but- uh, you know, and then factor in family life and all that kind of stuff. And I think just to say that 
we should be designing training plans and anything on the basis of a nine to five schedule. Uh, I think the nine or the with the pandemic, the work from home stuff has definitely evolved a bit of that, right? I think and not having races as much too and group rides has, has evolved that, but I've definitely seen a lot more people moving to taking like Sundays or Saturdays off, you know, to be with the family, to have a day, you know, of just really relaxing or, you know, a, a quote unquote weekend. Uh, and I do think that that works pretty well for a lot of a lot of folks, right? So yeah, I remember a couple of your clients last summer were just like, "Holy crap, this is what a weekend feels." Well, like. we were among them, but exactly. Um, so you know, when we're talking about shift work, I think you know the one thing I'm sensitive to for these uh, people I've worked with um, is, is you know the the obvious thing that always is uh, the. Uh, put forth is you know shift work is not healthy and um, you know you should change you know you should not do your job you should you know get moved to day shift right and, I, and it becomes quite annoying for for people who have you know chosen to be paramedics or doctors you know and this is sort of the nature of their their work right is to say and then people just like the answer is always just stop doing that right and i'm trying to think of a good analogy that would you know other people could relate to but well i think the fact is like the world economy would collapse if people just stopped doing that probably for the runners in our our listenership here is is you know it's, it's like when you go to physio or something and and they're they tell you not to run as the solution, right? It's maybe true, but, but you might not do it or you find it very offensive. Uh, that's the first one that popped into my mind is something that we might all relate to a bit, um, you know, rational or not. And in, in that second case, um, you know, that is the reality, right? Like I'm going to do this race, you know, get me through. Right. And that's, again, maybe it's not a direct again, uh, correlation, but that's sort of the idea is that if, if we take that off the table, that we're going to keep doing this, this night shift, you know, shift work, um, you know, what, what are some things we can do if we also want to uh, do some, you know, performance goals, right? I think that's essentially the question here, right, is, is, is what should I do, you know, to make sure that I'm, I'm healthy, but also performing, right? And, and those are two different things. So we have to be careful that we're also separating sort of like this health, you know, the function of our organs and body systems uh, from also performing. And that is, you know, this idea of going to a race and performing on our bicycles, right? Those aren't necessarily linked in unison right that's not always the same thing uh, so we have to be careful with that so i think starting with health because that is our foundation right if we're healthy you know then we should perform better i think some of the obvious things are you know trying to make sure that because you're in this night shift you know you're working at night then and you're sort of flipped from the rest or a lot of i shouldn't say the rest but the a lot of other people right is you know what can we do to make sure that you're you're healthy and we always sort of go back to that the the cup analogy that greg layman uh, sort of uses um and the question of you know what can you do to be healthier right so then we look at sort of things like sleep nutrition social uh and then exercise is maybe part of that too right sort of all those little pieces are probably the things you would say okay i could do healthier right um, and so generally did- speaking there have been a few studies out in the last 20 years that do highlight the importance of all of those things sure whether it's sleep hygiene where you're using the blue light blocking glasses if you're on screens before you actually get to sleep uh, which if you work a night shift in say like a call center or something that could be the blue light blocking glasses for the screens towards the end of your shift so you're sort of ready to go to bed when you get home right um, or just as simple as actually blacking out your room not just casual blackout blinds i would say if you work a night shift and you sleep during the day that's Super I would important. spend so much money to have a blacked out room. A few clients have done that here recently and, and said like, just 
they knew that it was a big deal, but like not, you know, this has been huge, you know, a big change. And again, those are the rock slide habits from our book is, you know, these things you essentially do once, you know, and it can be as simple if you want to try it, right? It's, you know, the, the classic tin foil over the, the window or, you know, we've just done in some places if we're just there short term, uh, you know, just a comforter, you know, pinned or, or taped or however you want to attach it around the window, right? Just to see what's it like for a night, right? If you want to just try this with, you know, your family, your spouse, spouse, uh, just take an old comforter and pin it around the window. Do you sleep better? Yes or no? You know, if you don't, if it was nothing, you know, if you got scared of the dark, <laughs> then figure it out. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, that could be something, you know, again, we're thinking sleep hygiene, you're going to keep working. You don't want to change too much. Is there something like when you do finally get in bed, can we make that better quality sleep? Uh, yeah, and, and that exactly. would be the one thing, right? The other piece that's important with that is temperature, especially if you're sleeping during hot nights or hot days during the summer, you know, the temperature could be a big, big piece there and cooling down the body so that we do get some of that circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think the other, the other health piece that came out in the research is that nutrition. And unfortunately, because your circadian rhythm is all a bit out of whack there and it stays out of whack, unfortunately, you have a little less leeway with nutrition than someone who can get a full night of normal sleep is going to get. Right. And that's that cup analogy, right? Is your cup's a little fuller than, you know, maybe if you had this perfect, you know, you were in the, you know, sunny tropical area, just having a good time all the time. Uh, you never having to go to work and just like very, you know, relaxed lifestyle, your cup would be maybe emptier, but you know, you're maybe if you, especially if you're a paramedic or a police officer, there's a little bit of work stress there. And then we'd slip, add some of this, we'll say, uh, sleep disruption, you know, to that, we just have to be a little careful with those other pieces, right? So there's the nutrition, which we're going to include, you know, alcohol in there for sure. That's another little stressor, you know, a little bit of uh, something that we're putting in our cup, stress that we're putting into our cup. We just have to be careful with that, right? Because if we go, you know, crappy diet, uh, whatever that means, you know, a bunch of alcohol, maybe try and get to sleep, you know, too much coffee, you know, would be a piece of that nutrition piece. Um, you know, then we're starting to add potential stressors to that that cup right and the, if the cup overflows that's where we have you know again health issues injuries sickness illness uh, that then again are not great for performance so if we embrace this idea of the cup while we're talking about this is that when we're talking about performance we want to be consistent right we want to show up regularly so if we get sick we get injured then it, it didn't matter how hard we did our you know intervals after our all-nighter shift right so there's that uh, is there anything else you want to talk about as far as the cup? The social one was, the, I thought, an interesting one. We, you know, social mm-hmm. health, social wellness is important. And it could be challenging since you're flipped from the rest of people. You know, not the rest of people. I keep saying it's like it's everyone. But a lot of people are more, you know, awake when the sun's out. So trying to figure out ways that, you know, maybe it's an early run group that you jump into once or twice a week. Yeah, we were laughing about this because I always say I I don't I don't run with most of my friends because they run at four or five a.m. a lot of the time, which is frankly too early for me. Uh, it's just not something I need to be doing, so I don't do it. Right. Uh, but I think if you work the night shift, I would um I would really be looking for early morning groups who are trying to do their run before work. You're doing your run after work, but and I think you'd want to play with that and see how do you respond to that is there a better day of the week maybe that works okay on day one of of your uh sort of week uh if you have a lot right where you're a little you know not as sleep deprived maybe it would be tough but maybe you find that that actually is good and sort of like winds you down to get to sleep uh and then on the flip side right a lot of group rides happen in the evening so it might be you know you wake up 
you know, and then you sort of have essentially your breakfast, which would be happening more in the evening. And then maybe you can jump on a group ride that starts a little later in the evening. And then you're at work for whatever time work starts, which might be, you know, 9 or 10 p.m., right? That could be... Say, really, if you're on the 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift, you can really jump into either uh, morning or night rides for the 9 to 5. And I think, you know, consummate athlete-wise, this could be any sport, right? So this could be hockey tends to be sort of this like evening, you know, or early morning too. So it's it's pretty logical. Swimming strikes me say, as, as swimming. a good one too. And maybe that water immersion could be, you know, nice as well. Uh, I always found... Uh, I guess I got really hungry after swimming was the thing I always found. I, I was going to say I thought I went to sleep, but uh, it, did, it did make me feel tired, I think. But in any case, you want to play with how can we get some social interaction? And I would really bias it towards things that get more social interaction just so you're checking that box while you're getting exercise. Right? This is the Katie Bowman stacking of activity with a lot of these these other things we're getting, right? Maybe some sun exposure, maybe some social exposure, maybe you know just these different things we can do all at the same time, right? You can might call it multitasking too, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but we know that that's going to be something that's going to be part of your stress cup, your health cup, if you want to frame it positively, um, that that exercise might actually help with is, is that social health. Yeah, I think, and then I also want to think about volume versus intensity and not like that you're always doing one or the other, um, but some some people, myself included, prioritize volume over intensity in their training, um, whereas some people are much more into intensity and that's more of the focus and i would probably say someone who's doing shift work is probably better biasing towards the short like just a shorter tighter training schedule uh even if they're training for longer events maybe prioritizing those like focusing on shorter hours just because you well i think that's again hours we have to be careful right well they might not have they might have lots of hours depending on how you're defining the hours in the day right but if we if we agree that you you know you should be trying to sleep in that seven to nine hours that you know sort of the always popping up uh there are only so many hours in in the week right but the question is because of some of this disruption again the cup's a little fuller can we do as much training as we maybe think we should do right or do we have to be a little cautious because exercise is a stress too right it it, it can be a positive stress but if there's too much you know and that point of too much where the cup spills over, right? It just might be, again, if we're using that cup analogy, right? If we can fit, if your cup was empty, you lived in the sunny tropical location and didn't do anything but train all day, you're a pro, you know, rider, all the massages and everything else, great food. And your cup, so your cup was empty. You could fit the full cup of training, right? But this, the analogy here is that then we have to be careful with how much we, we add into that, right? So it might just not be quite as much as, I'd always be trying to keep it back a little bit. Right. And so we might be thinking, you know, minimum effective dose versus optimal effective yeah, dose. Right. Exactly. It's certainly not the, you know, too much. So, yeah, I think probably a mix there. I wouldn't necessarily shy away from, you know, an intensity, but I certainly would try and get in a bunch of that aerobic work. Um, but I, I think that doesn't have to be super long for most people either. Right. Um, but but in the training direction, right, there's probably a, a timing piece as much as there's the the quality and quantity piece. There's probably a when does it fit in the week. And, and the people I've worked with uh, who have shift work tend to be pretty good at, at knowing that. They know like, you know, sometimes it's like a two days on or, or when it's like a really late night shift. So they've really got disrupted. Uh, they know that just that that next day it's pretty logical right but you could see yourself if you had a goal trying to like hustle to like oh, i'll push through and do my high intensity intervals you know that day after right and they're like no i do the smart ones i think who have figured it out 
it's usually just maybe a super easy spin or like a yoga class, something that's going to help recover the body a bit, right? Um, if we are measuring HRV, usually there are these ones that try and you know increase the HRV uh, versus we expect some of this high intensity sort of like decreases HRV or again, this would, you know, maybe using our cup analogy, right? Is maybe helping drain the cup uh, with this low intensity recovery pace, yoga, you know, meditative, deep breathing. Um, you know, I think swimming could probably count if it was more like relaxing and floating was included with that. Uh, but that's the idea, right? It is timing that, that intensity. So the good days, the fresh days, you know, this is the same as our high, low off. We always talk about, you know, after you take your off day, then you do the high intensity because your body should be ready to go. So similarly, if you can get a day where you get really good sleep, you're feeling rested, then that would probably be the day to hit that key workout of the week. And that might be the long one. That might be the hard one. It might be, uh, you know, a bit of a combo for these people, right? Where we get one day of the week where we're fresh and we just send it, right? That might be fine. And then, and then we go back to just sort of like what I call unremarkable workouts, right? That 90 minutes, not too hard, um, you know, is a classic sort of just bread and butter, you know, again, maybe something like strides, your 30 seconds every, you know, couple minutes or whatever. Um, you know, that's not super taxing on that anaerobic system. Maybe that would be okay too, but you know, nothing fancy, right? Just getting through the rest of the week. Uh, strength training, it strikes me, would be a good one too. Pr- pretty time efficient. Uh, trying to keep muscle mass up. Uh, probably makes sense to include that too. Probably good bang for your buck as well. It's just occurring to me that if I was a, a shift worker, I would really be trying to look for night races. Like any race that starts like after sundown, like that's your time to shine. Well, it makes you wonder if a shift worker would be really suited to something like a 24 hour. That's what I was just um, thinking. Yeah. You know, something that's just like, you know, they, they're used to grinding and they're not intimidated by the dark. Like I would just, you know, and not like just program. Like I shut down at five o'clock, right? Like it's just been programmed in. So, you know, for, for me to go on a group ride at five or six o'clock is, is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's it's routine as much as like I, I, I would say I'm a little scared of the dark, but you're pretty scared of the dark. Uh, but this, yeah, they're probably used to it. Right. And so maybe that's, again, when we talk picking goals, right? Like this might be, again, how are we going to work and use this as a a strength, right? Um, could be, that could be the type of thing that they're, they're really wired up for. Oh, like 24 hour relay. You find someone who can do the daytime and you do the nighttime. Yeah. I guess you could be a really good team member at 24 hours, right? Like you just show up, you sleep all day and then you show up and you're just like, this is your normal period. Just like sell yourself as the ringer who can just like ride all night. No problem. Well, and it does, this could work. That's maybe a bit extreme, but maybe not. And and I think that's the idea of, you know, racing your strengths, right? It's always this, you know, people race your strengths and what's easy too, right? So it might be the events that you can do are are timed more in the evening. Again, we talked about group rides, Uh, but that's, you know, you're in a flat area. Like you should probably do crits and, you know, time trials and that sort of stuff, right? If you're in a hilly area, then you can do hilly races. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the one other thing I was just thinking of as we are recording this on the day daylight savings just kicked in. Uh, I do think for, for shift workers, we didn't really mention it when we were talking about the basic hygiene practices is this time of year, it would be so easy to never see the sun ever. Well, I think even nine to five, like it might be better. I'm trying to think through shift workers, but I know even people who are, you know, in an office, you know, building, 
you know, it can be pretty tough. I think I, I told everyone the story a couple of weeks ago with my uncle. Mentioning for 40 40 years. years and he, because he was wrestling and you're like, you were yeah. in high school for 40 years. Like I said, four years, oh, okay. but yeah. it just uh, seemed exaggerated. But It was, I mean, the whole thing was very <laughs> dramatic, but it, it's, it's not, you know, I think again, the nine to five people even. So I, I'm trying to think how you would come out. I think maybe the shift workers would have a, an advantage in some of that, but the, the idea I think is good. Um, so, so do you have a, well, I think it's just making sure that at some point you see the sun, uh, prob- which I hate to say because, you know, you get home, you go to bed, and then trying to wake up just with enough time to see a little bit of daylight, mm. I think would be super important. Well, you know, I, I think the when you wake up, they say this, that's a big thing is that morning light seems to be the big thing right now and, and you know, getting outside and early. Um that's what I, yeah, that, you wouldn't really want to see it necessarily when you got home from yeah, your Yeah, and I, I don't know. That's maybe one of the questions we'll table because I, I think probably seeing the sun is, is beneficial and getting some on your skin. But, you know, it, it, would you decide not to do that um, before bed? I, I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, that's that's sort of one of those trade-offs, right? You just sort of, go out with a blindfold on, <laughs> but still just make sure your skin is getting like a little bit of sunlight. Yeah, I don't know how that works so yeah we'll have to table that one uh, uh, for sure right and, and that might be a that might be a personal one to, to play with too right but uh, probably good you know the sun is a, a good thing to see I think right I certainly I just... do have to say for us one one thing we switched to a year or so ago and it's been awesome is instead of waking up to an alarm we actually have a, a light that flips on because we sleep with blackout blinds so we don't really get that wake up with the sun or wake up to a sunny room and I was saying it was impossible for me to feel awake because the alarm would go off, but it was still just blacked out in our room. Sure. And I think having the light was so helpful. So I think if you are sleeping in that is, pitch black It is a nice way to wake up. Like, And it's not fancy. We're just using like a Christmas tree. Like I think it's an animal. Uh, no, it's digital. But like one of those super cheap, just, you know, you plug it in and then you plug the thing into it. And it just sort of like the old ones used to be like these click, 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 like analog, you know. <laughs> Uh, Christmas tree timer is what I would call it. Uh, My turtle. Still so we didn't has do a that. fancy, but there's other ones that like gradually increase the light, and you can get like a yellow hue or something. I don't know what hue you're supposed to have, but a, a peaceful hue. Uh, so that might be a thing. And then I think probably the last piece is is the actually investing in a if you're in this for the long haul, probably getting one of those. Um, I think of seasonal affect disorder, but one of those lights, right? That actually have the is it the UVA UVB uh, light in it, right? Yeah, I think the support for that is pretty good. I, I, you know, I think ideally you'd do sun, but you can't always do sun in some of the northern latitudes. But I think if you're in this and you're like, I'm going to just try and optimize my situation, you know, the, again, the stress cup, nutrition, sleep, exercise, socialization, um, you know, your sleep hygiene is a big piece of that, trying to, you know, keep that cup balanced, so to speak. Um, but there is some of this technology is, is interesting, right? It, it's, you know, and I think it would be a bit of an investment to get a, one of these lights that's like actually one of the lights, right? But could but again, be. if this is what you're doing and you really still want to train effectively. Well, and, and it gets back. I bet level. you the light is not more than what someone's probably going to charge you for a lactate or VO2 test. So it sort of gets to this opportunity cost of, you know, we're, we're spending this money to find out that our lactate is, is this, you know, millimoles per liter. Uh, but is that as adults, you know, recreational adults, as we all are. Uh, you know, what are these other things, you know, what are these other opportunities and, and things that we can spend money on? So that's the tricky thing, right? Excellent point. All right. Now that we've brought it full circle, uh, we'll definitely try to get an expert on to talk about more of the sciencey stuff behind shift work and training. 
Um, but until then, we have a bunch of really good guests coming up. Um, oh, and last thing, Athletic Bookworms, super fun. I'm really glad we had Emily Chappelle on for our first uh, book read. And then obviously on the podcast, we've gotten a lot of great feedback. And next month's book is Back in the Frame by Jules Walker. So another uh, British woman cyclist memoir, but totally different, which is really, really fun. I like I like that we're just going to kind of keep shifting just a little bit each month and right. really well there's a good, good compare contrast there yeah somewhere. good flow to that so uh, if you want to pull up info on that you can just head to consummateathlete.com as usual if you have any questions etc we'd love to hear from you we have a contact form over there or you can hit us up on instagram at consummate athlete all right with that uh, have an excellent week of training and we'll see you next week Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.